What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Per usual, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor talking all things MLS as the offseason grows almost done more to the day the regular season is almost here it's approaching preseason is happening but we are still here talking about all things happening in the offseason getting ready for the 2021 MLS season so thank you guys so much for tuning in again as always before we get into another fun episode talking about soccer I wanted to check in on you guys so Josh how has the week been treating you since we last talked last Thursday I had a pretty good week. The As you know, Drew, the weather here has been pretty much fantastic. It's like uh, 70, 75 here in Georgia and sunny and not very humid. Again, Connor, I have no clue what that is in Celsius, <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry. But it's very nice. This is this is like my favorite kind of weather, and uh, hopefully it, it stays for a little bit. But, yeah, that, that's been the, the biggest thing. I got to play a lot of soccer this week, which was, was really exciting. I scored once in each of my games. Um, actually, the goal Harry Kane scored against Crystal Palace on Sunday was really similar to the goal I scored on Saturday morning. Really similar, but I won't get into that right now. <laughs> but I am proud of that. I'm proud of that. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much the biggest thing. WandaVision finished last week. I told you guys a week ago that I was really excited for the ending. It was great. And... Uh, so now just have to wait another week until the next Marvel TV show pops up. The Hawks are playing right now uh, against some team. I, I can't remember uh, who it is off the top of my head, but they're not doing well, so we don't have to talk about that anymore. But 
Oh, the, the, I no, think we no, do. No, I think no, I'll no, talk no. about so, it. I don't. So, Drew, how was uh, how was your week? <laughs> <laughs> it it was really. I don't know if that was a real thing. Or if you're definitely trying, trying to, to avoid Connor. Cool, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. We're not. Connor's not allowed to talk on this podcast episode. Uh, but hey, yeah, be careful, week. boys. I got control of the audio <laughs> afterwards. So. Um, but yeah, my week has been good. Last week was pretty. It was midterms. So that was kind of rough. Uh, this week we're supposed to be on spring break, which is weird because we're entering into the one year anniversary of like everything shutting down. I saw some stuff about that on Twitter and I was on spring break when that happened. And um, students were like, I, why are we coming back to campus? Like everyone's been out, been in Miami, been in Florida, COVID's going on. And we were like, oh, like, let us have another extra week of spring break. And I think we just did that so we could get an extra week of classes off. Little did we know what was happening around the corner. And here we are a year later. So this is supposed to be spring break for us. Um, and some professors are pretty much giving us the week off. So I haven't had that much to do this week. So that's really good. Um, but besides that, it's been a lot of fun. My apartment complex right behind my building. There are like nine buildings in the apartment complex. There is a basketball court and a soccer field. And um, it's like a small turf soccer field. It's pretty awesome. And they just put the goals back up. So uh, like early in the morning before anyone gets here, I can like wake up and just like go shoot and like juggle them behind my apartment. So that's really great. Um, so I've been doing that a little bit, trying to get out as much as possible, because like Josh said, the weather has been really nice here. I have to take advantage of 75 while it's here. So it's been a good week. It's been relaxing. Uh, Connor, I guess we have to ask you <laughs> Wait, how you're doing. I just uh, I just looked it up and it's 24 Celsius, Connor. Okay. Is what we're experiencing and no humidity, real sunny, not too cloudy, no rain. Okay, well, today was, I think, like 16 in Toronto, Celsius, um, although very windy, and in my little office thing I have, that is terrifying, because there's a giant tree that's basically, we're just waiting for it to come down, um, and I can just hear the wind destroying my window behind me as I was editing a Staff and Graph podcast, which <laughs> I texted my mom and said, if you hear a crash, just assume I'm dead, oh my God. Um, because... That's like, if that tree comes down in our house, I will die, uh, most likely. But that's my own issue. Uh, other than that, raptors are destroying your Ooh. hawks. Um, <laughs> exactly. Without Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, and OG Ananobi. So um, take, you can hold this L, uh, because this game shouldn't even be close. And no matter if we lose or win, the fact that it was close hey, is a miracle. Hey, you know who the hawks are missing? Who? Nobody. Nobody. They're not. They're pretty exactly. much full strength. Not even exactly. DeAndre Hunter could so, save this team right now. Yeah, he'd make a huge difference on this team. Um, just completely world changing. Honestly, I'm just looking at the score now to see what. No, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I've got the. I've got We're the game on. By, I can tell you if anything interesting happens. Uh, Drew doesn't know. He Drew doesn't, doesn't have know. to. Know. I, I, need to I, tell I know exactly what's it's going fine. on. I looked it up. Our listeners don't know, and currently we're up, Toronto's up by thirteen. Um, but hey, so, just don't tell them about how the Hawks were winning by 19 in the second quarter. What? I didn't even know that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had to do a lecture, watch a lecture, which last week, t- four, 15 people, including myself, of 400 
watched the video. Um, and we're getting our midterm marks back tomorrow, where the class average on a 45% midterm, which is 45% of our grade, was 62. So let's hope that I do okay on that, but who knows. Either way, we should jump into soccer because nobody cares about my life. Um, so, unfortunately, no Canadians, so I can't go straight to that, um, <laughs> which, damn. Uh, but we'll get into some Canada stuff later involving my club. But why don't we start off with something I actually saw, which is a miracle, in the Daryl DK shot, and specifically goal, which that guy is not coming back to MLS. I'm just going to say it. There's no I way. agree. I agree, man. His, his goal over, I think it was over the weekend, just fantastic. I felt the need to retweet the video on my timeline just because of how great it was. I was I was really surprised the ball didn't just like go through the net. Like that's how hard he hit that freaking <laughs> thing. Uh, yeah, just a, just a fantastic goal from him. Just all power and there was nothing that goalkeeper was going to do to stop it. But I agree with you, Connor. I don't even think DK is is coming back to MLS anytime soon with how well he's been doing. Drew, did you see Daryl DK's goal? And if you did, what did you think about it? I did see the goal. I saw it after. So I have Daryl DK on my uh, FOTMOB notifications. Like you get to follow their players and see how they do. And I saw Daryl DK scored. So my mind naturally, okay, let's go to Twitter. Let's see who's the first, who's the first account to tweet about it. And I saw like the first time I saw it, I saw the angle where he was. I was like, how, how is this going in? Is it going to be a fluke deflection? And no, he just hit the crap out of the ball. And like you said, I don't understand how the net didn't rip. So awesome. We've talked about him a lot. Barnsley fans love him. And when you're ripping goals like that, it's hard not to love him. And I assume Barnsley won that game, drew that game. I'm not really sure where they sit. Because we talked about last episode, they won like the last six games since Daryl DK had been moved to Barnsley and we're talking about Premier League promotion. So did, did you guys catch the final score of that game or know what's going on with them? I am trying to look it up right now. I am pretty sure that they drew 1-1 in their goal. Um, no, so that goal specifically was the game winner. They won against Birmingham one nothing. However, yesterday... They did draw a nil-nil against Starby County. So that that's the first time they haven't won a game since Daryl DK joined the team. They're still sixth in the championship, though, so they're still, uh, looks like, doing well for the battle for promotion. Yeah, they're two points ahead of Cameron Carter-Vickers' Burnmouth. So that should be that should be really interesting. But yeah, Please DK, tell me we didn't just go back-to-back weeks being unable to say Bournemouth. Did I say Burnmouth? Yes. Sorry, Bournemouth. Gosh, I man, I'm I'm better than that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. That's back to back weeks, boys. Like we got to improve here. We have a low well, okay. bar to hit. We got to <laughs> at least clear it a little bit. So so to improve, I'll talk about Jordan Sabachu. Right? Didn't didn't mess up his name. Which if you ever see how Sabachu is spelled out, <laughs> very easy to do. But Sabachu scored once again for young boys. We talked about him last week. He scored three goals in the Europa League tie against Bayer Leverkusen. Helped knock Leverkusen out of that tournament. So he continues to score really great. But that's not the only news for him this week. He also announced that he will represent the U.S. should he be called up. He is also eligible for France and Cameroon. So that's why it's a little bit of news more so than usual with him. 
And important to note that the fact that he's saying he will play for the U.S. is big because that striker pool is starting to get crowded. We'll touch on that in a second, though. But before we we get there, probably the biggest U.S. men's soccer news this week outside of some U23 stuff was the Austrian Bundesliga match on Sunday between Salzburg and St. Poulton. And that's because it featured three American players, which is kind of funny because I think there's only four American players in total in the Austrian Bundesliga, and three of them were in this game. So pretty cool. But uh, Taylor Booth, who we've talked about on a past episode, I think it's been a month or two now, he is on loan from Bayern Munich. He's only 19. He scored a half volley for St. Poulton. It was his first ever first-team goal. So congrats to Taylor Booth. Brendan Aronson also scored. That's his third goal now, I think, with Salzburg since he's joined, and he's had a couple assists as well. And Salzburg ended up winning pretty comfortably. I know when Aronson scored, it was 3-1. to one. And then Brandon Cervania, who we also talked about, he's on loan from FC Dallas at St. Poulton, and he made his debut for them. So really big for Americans in the Austrian Bundesliga, which is kind of weird to say. I don't think a year ago anybody would have been like, oh, yeah, this this Austrian Bundesliga game is really huge for any of you American fans out there. <laughs> but... The last big American news was Josh Sargent scoring over the weekend. I can't remember which day it was, but he scored a goal. And then he also scored yesterday on Wednesday and now has three goals in his last three games, which begs the question. I'll start with Drew first and then ask Connor. But if the U.S. were to be playing a World Cup qualifying match tomorrow, Drew, who's your starting striker? Keep in mind, we've got Sabachu who wants to play now. We've got DK tearing it up in England. Josh Sargent is finally scoring. You've got Josie Zardes, Josie Altidore. Ayo is technically U.S. eligible, even though personally I don't think he'll end up with the U.S. And there are probably a bunch of other people that I can't even think of off the top of my head right now. But, Drew, who would you go with if they had a qualifier tomorrow? I don't like how you put fun little exercise because this is the most frustrating (laughs) question in the entire United States soccer sphere. Um, If the United States played a World Cup qualifying game tomorrow, who is my starting striker? Hey, you know what? I'm going to make it even more complicated. It's a qualifier against Mexico at the Azteca. So the hardest possible qualifying game. Really? I think BMO Field against Canada is harder based on November 2019. So, Drew. <laughs> I didn't know how to respond to that. You lose once, and I re- now you're harder I refuse, than Azteca. I refuse to acknowledge that. Man. That blasphemy. So, I'm like kind of imagining a situation that won't happen because I'm also imagining thousands of Mexico fans in the stands. I don't know how many the Azteca hold, but that's not going to be a thing. But, hardest case scenario US, Mexico. I guess it has to be Josh Sargent, right? I mean, I, I would lean Giassi Zardes, but the guy hasn't played competitive soccer in a while. He's in preseason right now. And Josh Sargent scoring in the Bundesliga. Same for Josie Altador. Okay, so let's just pretend everybody's like been playing. They're all fit. Let's pretend that fans are allowed in the stadium. So it's like a fully packed Azteca. So like it's the hardest possible like in-your-face environment. All right, so it's do 2024. You, do you still go Sargent? It's 2024 <laughs> or Texas that. right now. <laughs> there you go. They would just hold the the friendly in Texas or the qualifier. They're, they're in playing Texas. at Cowboys Stadium. That's where they're playing. Oh this my game. gosh, yeah. that would be brutal. But <laughs> would you still go with Sargent over Zardes if it, if they're both healthy, or would you lean towards Zardes? I would lean towards Zardes because I think he has. 
I mean, Josh Sargent, obviously, three goals in three games is awesome. But again, like if it was actually tomorrow, I would go with Josh Sargent. But if assuming MLS has been going on, this is a normal year. Giassi Zardes has played a couple games with Columbus. I think Giassi, just because he's older, he's proven he can do it more. And this Sargent run kind of just feels like out of nowhere. Um, we've kind of been frustrated seeing him in Bundesliga, which I think is a lot to do with the team he's playing on, not so much his just individual ability. So it's good to see him breaking through. But I think I would go with Zardes. Again, it's not, it's the mad, it's the million dollar question, right? We've been asking this for months, for years, I feel like, because that striker pool, while it's crowded now, there's still not one in your face. This is the starting number nine tomorrow against Mexico. So if it was actually tomorrow, I would go with Josh Sargent simply because Yossi Zardes has not played competitive soccer for a very long time. But if it was a normal MLS season and it started March 5th or whatever, um, if Giassi Zardes had been playing competitive soccer for a while, I would go with Giassi. But yeah, that's my pick. What about you, Josh? Who would you go with that number nine role if we play Mexico tomorrow? God, I know we're beating the Hawks, but come on, I I still exist. No, no, I know. <laughs> I know. We're gonna I was going to get to you in a second. I, it's, it's actually better that I go next because I was going to pick Jossie's artist, and I thought it was going to be a little more controversial. So I'm a little annoyed that you're being rational about this, Drew. Uh, because <laughs> I'll I try I, to be I, rational for the rest <laughs> of the episode. I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> I, I I truly believe that Zardes would be the best go-to. I mean, say what you want about the guy, but him in Burhalter and him being in Burhalter's system, I mean, he just he scores. It's just how it is. So I I would trust him over anybody else right now. I mean, assuming they're all fit and all that stuff. Obviously, down the road that could change. I think if I wasn't gonna pick Jossie Zardes, I would pick Daryl DK just because. He first of all, he's just so big, like he's just a big dude that I would trust him to win those physical battles against you know the Mexican players who are always going to come after the American players. You know, it's just a fierce rivalry to begin with, and that sort of rivalry would be heightened in a World Cup qualifier, and being in the Azteca would just be on a whole nother level. So I would, I think, I'd trust DK more than anybody else besides Zardes right now. I'm curious to see what happens with Josh Sargent. I feel like he kind of has these spells every now and then where he does well and then disappears again. And, and you're right, he's also playing for like just a absolutely dreadful Bundesliga team, which sucks. But And then again, there's also other players like Joe Keeney and a bunch of other guys. But yeah, I'd probably go Josie. But Connor, you can't say Ayo Akinola because I wasn't going he's too eligible. Okay, awesome. Who would you have... Start at striker in the Azteca in front of 60,000 fans. Everybody's fit. Who would you pick? Josie Altador. No. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, no, hey. No, you, could, no, you could argue. No, you could argue no, you for couldn't. Altador. Uh, no, you couldn't. Uh, although apparently he's looked good in training, so we'll see where that goes. But I'm going to go off the board. I'm going to pick a two-striker formation, and I'm going to go with Jesse Zardes and Jordan Morris. Veto. Berhalter will never roll out a, a two-striker formation. All right, I'm going Jordan Morris. Okay, that's... Uh, you know what? I like that shout because people forget that he was a striker before he hurt his ACL the first time because when he came back from the ACL injury, they already had Raul Ruiz Diaz, and so they weren't going to move Ruiz Diaz, so they just told Jordan Morris, hey, learn how to play wing. And then they put him on the weak side, too. And so then he became an even more complete player because the dude's a monster and he just works his butt off. So I think that's a decent shout. I don't think 
we'll ever see that again. No, we won't. Just because of all these other strikers. But I see what you're doing, and he has very strong U.S. international experience and has scored in the Gold Cup and all these other qualifiers and friendlies. So that's actually a, a, a very uh, out-of-left-field shout, but a, a respectable one. So I like that answer. <laughs> uh, moving on into some other U.S. national how team much, news, though. Josh, just first, I want to know, how much did that hurt? No, none of that hurt. I'm, I honestly, like, that was that's a really good one. You, you said it was going to be off the board, and I'm thinking, like, is it going to be like an obscure striker? Michael and then to go with Jordan Morris. Oh, my God. If he can do that chip, I don't care what position he plays. You know the exact chip I'm talking about in Azteca. You know what goal yes. I'm talking about. If he can yes. do that, put him in goal. I don't care. That might be yeah, the greatest true. moment in U.S. soccer <laughs> that's, history. That's true. The I, only you know, thing I w- that would top it is if Giassi's artist accidentally scored with his face in the Azteca to make it Dos Cicero in front of 60,000. <laughs> This is true. This is true. That would be the only thing better than, than Michael Bradley's amazing chip. Uh, but moving on into some other U.S. men's national team stuff, the uh, final roster was announced for Olympic qualifying, uh, which starts next week down in Mexico. It's U23s. We talked a lot about last week, and we talked a, a bit about who was on the roster. Obviously, it was noticeable from a MLS standpoint in that Atlanta did not release their three players. There, in my opinion, there weren't any huge cuts uh, from looking at other opinions. Some people were surprised that Eric Williamson and Tanner Tessman were left off the roster. Uh, I know Sam Stagecool was was very intrigued that Jeremy Obobese was left off this roster entirely. I'm the same way. I love Jeremy Obobese. I think he is criminally underrated. Uh, but who knows what's going on with him and why the staff isn't rating him. Uh, did I'll, I'll go with Drew for this since it's the U.S., but did you have any thoughts about maybe who was left off of the roster, and, and if so? Not really, um, except Abobasi, because I think when MLS is back, he kind of came out, and we were all really excited about him. I think we talked about him a good bit on the show, but not really. We talked about Atlanta not releasing its players for qualifying. Qualifying does start for the United States. A week from today, they play Costa Rican U23 team, I think next Thursday at 6.30. So maybe next episode we will have more to talk about this team after we watch them play Costa Rica. So yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about it. Connor, did you have any players that you thought should have been left off or any thoughts about the qualifying roster? Uh, Let me pull up the roster now, but I know that there were no Toronto FC players because COVID and their outbreak, but I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, In terms of their roster, I was surprised that Obobese wasn't named. Um... Apart from that, I think they have a decent roster. Uh, although I think I might give the edge to Canada on this one. Um, but we'll get into that in a second. It's got some big names. You know, Justin Glad, big name. Julian Araujo, uh, big name. Marco Farfan is pretty decent. Aaron Herrera, it's actually a very good team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm, I think it's a pretty well-built team, honestly. Uh we will see what their goaltending situation's like because I haven't heard of any of those players apart from maybe Matt Freeze. I think they'll be pretty good just because JT Marcinkowski is probably the number one and he finally took over the top spot for San Jose midway through the season last year after Daniel Vega finally got benched. Dude should have got benched way faster than he did, but Marcinkowski is decent and he's got the most first team experience out of the three though, so... 
He might, he might be pretty good. Yeah, possibly. Uh, their forwards look really, really good. You know, Jesus Ferrer is crazy good. Jonathan Lewis is good. Uh, Ulysses Lanes, although, yeah, he's coming back uh, over from Heronveen, who's he's currently the property of Wolfsburg, I believe, on loan. Um, you look at Georgi Mahav- uh, Mihailovic from CF Montreal, uh, or Montreal Impact. Yes, I'm doing that on purpose. Foot? Yes, the foot. All right, we're calling them the foot from now on. From the foot. Club de foot. Yeah. Uh, Sebastian Soto is a big get. I'm surprised that they were able to pull him, uh, given that the Prem and U23 Prem are still playing. Um, but do either of you have anything else you want to add before I rant about the Canadian team? <laughs> the only other thing I want to add is I'm also excited that Johnny Cardoso is going to be taking part from Brazil. We talked last week. He scored his first ever first team goal a week ago. And then also Hassani Dotson, who I think people were really surprised that Tessman and Williamson got left off, but Dotson stayed. But I think people forget that Dotson is very versatile. He can play outside back. He can play defensive midfield. He can play a little higher up in the midfield. So that's going to probably factor in in terms of squad rotation Maybe, in, hopefully not injuries. Hopefully that doesn't play a factor in, in their qualifying, um, which once again starts in a week. But So I'm excited to see Johnny and then uh, Dotson as well. But Connor, go ahead. Talk to us about the, I assume this is the, the, the Olympic qualifying as well for the yes. Canadians, yes? Yes, it is. And you didn't have it in the notes, which frankly insulting, but I'll continue on. Um, I do want to know, which team do you think is supplying the most players? to the U23 roster for Canada. Toronto? They have zero. Vancouver? Oh. Yes, you were right, Drew. I'm surprised you got that. Uh, Toronto have zero. You're man. surprised that the resident Vancouver fan? The half-resident? Vancouver? I figured both of you just didn't even see it. Uh, Honestly, no. Honest. I have to look up the squad right now. I mean, there was a one in three chance, and Josh guessed Toronto, so it was either Vancouver <laughs> or the foot. So. Well, you could have been a CPL team realistically uh but forge was it forge no was it, it wasn't Pacific? uh <laughs> Tor- my favorite canadian team <laughs> our residential forge supporter here in josh <laughs> toronto didn't release any of their players because a there's a covid situation going on uh and b they're about to have a hell of a schedule to start the season which we will get into later uh but some very very notable players um who got released. I was shocked Derek Cornelius got released. I'm very surprised Zachary Brogillard got released by Montreal. Um, Michael Baldissimo is a big get for them. Tajon Buchanan, I'm shocked New England let him go because uh, he seems like a very big part of their starting 11. Vancouver basically released all of their good players, all of their good Canadians, and I'm surprised by that. Although I guess they know they're going to be terrible either way, so... <laughs> there we go. Uh, but the big get, and the one I'm excited about, even though I don't know much about him, is 18-year-old Lucas Diaz from Sporting. Uh, he's can play for both, uh, I believe it's both Portugal and Canada, and he's chosen Canada. So that's a big get for Canada's midfield. He's young, he's talented. He's on a team like Sporting, which you got to be good to be on Sporting. Um, but I think this team looks really, really solid, honestly. Uh, and there's some good CPL players in there too, uh, which I think is notable. And a USL player, which I just noticed. Maybe two. Uh, so it 
could be a pretty decent team. And James Pantamus, I think, is pretty decent. So we'll see whether or not they do well, how far they go. It's going to be tough qualifying. But what do you guys think about the Canadian roster, looking at it very quickly? Do you think it's going to be able to challenge for a potential Olympic bid? Uh, who, Connor, do you know who is in their group? Ooh, off the top of my head? Because uh, I know the U.S. is with Costa Rica, Mexico, and I can't remember who the other team is, which would which would then infer that Canada's on the other side. As Connor looks that up, uh, so the listeners know, right now the Olympic qualifying is between eight teams, two groups of four. The winners of each group go to the final, and both teams qualify for the Olympics. That's how it that's how it works. That's how this portion of the qualifying works. So I'd be interested to see who they're going up against. Before Connor gives us that answer, I do want to say I'm excited about seeing Tajon Buchanan. He was lighting it up for New England last year, and especially in the playoffs. And then, like he was saying, these young Vancouver Whitecaps players, I, I really love them. Um, Michael Baldissimo, Theo Bear. I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how they develop over the next couple years. And so it'd be really cool to see them sort of break out um, in a qualifying tournament like this. So I'm excited for the, for those couple of guys. This is more difficult to find than I thought it would be. Uh, Drew, are there any players <laughs> that you are am sort of intrigued by on this list? Um, not really. Uh, Michael Baldissimo, that would be exciting, just Whitecap. Um, yeah, not a whole lot of these guys are sticking out to me. Theo Bear, that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's exciting to see all the Whitecap players that's all that's my take on it um again there's some different teams in here oklahoma city energy is the usl side being represented i walked in through um my brother used to live in oklahoma city and i went to their store that's all i know about the oklahoma city energy so rock on go energy um yeah not a whole lot of takes on this excited to see all the white cat players i think it's my only take on i'm trying to find their group right now as i think Connors as well okay what what's the group what they got so group b is going to be canada el salvador haiti honduras so i do think canada could be pretty competitive and might be able to advance like i said it's costa rica dominican republic mexico united states and the other group and if memory serves it is it is it the top two from each group advance to a final four and then the winners of those games go to the final and those winners or is it i i don't actually know for sure i think i'm thinking about it i think it's the top two because when you look at the schedule on google it pulls up group stage games and the two semifinal matches so i assume the top two from each group go like number the one seed from one group plays the two seed from the other and vice versa right okay in that case so the i the ideal situation is you just want to make the final because then you're in for sure the top the top two. Whoever makes the final advances to the Olympics. I do think Canada has a really strong chance then, depending on who they come up against in the semis, however that's sorted out. Well, we're going to get one of Mexico, the U.S., or Costa Rica, right? If that's how it works, yes. As we have discovered between the three of us, we do not really understand how how the Olympic qualifying really yes, works. Yes, it is. Oof. Okay, so it's from across. All right, well, in that case, Canada might have a tough time although it would be really interesting if we got a canada u.s semifinal and the winner was going to get a spot in the olympics that would be very interesting i feel a lot less confident about that (laughs) 
weird thing I just noticed, these kids are getting absolutely torn up. If you win the whole thing, you will have played five matches in 12 days. That that's tur- is that's wild. Man. Dude, that is crazy. crazy. Like that. They kick off yeah, the 18th. The U.S. would play the Dominican the 21st. They play Mexico the 24th. They would play their semifinal the 28th. And then two days later, play the final. That is wild. These kids' legs are going to fall off. <laughs> uh, yeah, possibly. Uh, although they are young and spry, so they're all younger than Josh. Um, which, if he can play <laughs> soccer continuously all the time, I'm That's sure That's why can he's too. not on the U23 roster. That's why. We were yeah. looking for Josh's name. Makes more sense now. Makes more sense. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Hey, you know what? To be fair, like playing playing every couple days is really not that bad. Like right now, my schedule is going to be Wednesdays and Saturdays. So you're right. If I can do it and I'm washed up, 25 year old, then these little, these little perfectly fit, 22 year olds and younger should have no problem with this tournament. Yeah, no problem <laughs> running 15 kilometers a game. Or yeah, yeah. You know what? These qualifying matches and my pickup games, they're the same. They're definitely. <laughs> Josh is scoring same. Harry Kane type goals in his pickup <laughs> games. Why can't these guys? Come on. <laughs> It's it's not come on yeah it's not rocket science like come on guys I I fully expect the U S to win now now that we've discussed this but moving on into some actual well I'll say is there anything else you guys want to add before we move on into the the MLS news uh, Canada's better than the U S as in right. the same so way that Toronto anything, are better than Atlanta anything meaningful to add <laughs> uh, all right probably oh my not God. since no don't look at the Raptors score. Oh no, I've I've got the game on. I'm very excited Why did for you how these last that? I don't have go. the game on now. I'm gonna pull it up. It's okay. If anything good happens, I'll let you know, Drew. Yeah, it's it's gotten close. But MLS news, MLS specific news, transfers and signings in the last week. The first uh, big bit. First, I'll say it's been a little bit of a slow week compared to last week's. Although the transfer window did officially open today or yesterday. One of those two. So we should start seeing some official signings happening and, and paperwork coming through. And you'll probably start seeing some updated rosters on websites and whatnot. But anyway, Columbus Crew, earlier this week, they announced the signing of Alexandru Matan, who is a 21-year-old Romanian attacking midfielder. I haven't seen anywhere whether or not this is a U-22 young money signing. I would assume so, since they don't really have any other U-22 players um, that we know of that have been signed using the Young Money Initiative, but we've spent a decent amount of time talking about the crew this offseason so far, but do either one of you have some thoughts about Alexandru Maton joining an already pretty stacked Columbus Crew team? Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw, but they also released um, the odds for upcoming who's winning MLS Cup, and I think they had the crew at third overall between like LA, Seattle, I think Columbus was number three, which I think is just nonsense because I never pick teams to go back to back on anything, but it's really hard to pick against Columbus right now because they just are getting better and better. And this signing is just just really good, solid depth because there is a article about it on Massive Report, Columbus's SB Nation website, just talking about what the signing means. And this season, I think a lot of teams are going to suffer from international games when you have gold cup and everything like that. And the crew are no exception to that. Um, they'll be losing. Well, Kevin Molino might be going out with this. I'm totally blanking on what countries these guys represent, but Kevin Molino might be missing time. 
Uh, Derek Etienne might be missing time. I think I don't know what country he's there for. And then Zellerion got hurt a little bit last year. So this guy just provides a ton of depth to an already ridiculous team. So Columbus is just getting better and better. They also did say in the article that it feels like they're done signing players, which after their offseason, I really can't blame them with BWP, Kevin Molino, and now this guy. So they're just ridiculous. Um, Again, I don't pick teams to go back-to-back, but they're making it really hard to not pick Columbus to win it all this year. So someone, if anyone's going to beat the crew, they're going to have to step it up a lot because Columbus was already, I think, the best team in the league consistently across MLS's back regular season and then getting into the MLS Cup playoffs for Zillarion single-handedly just smoked the Seattle Sounders, along with Aiden Morris, the pride and joy of MLS young midfielders. So I don't know. Columbus is just freaking good, and they just got better with depth, and I I don't understand how anyone's going to beat this team, but let's see if anyone does. Connor, do you have any thoughts on Columbus getting a little better this offseason with their new 21-year-old signing? I just want to know where they're getting their money from because they have spent a <laughs> whole lot of it. Um that's what new owners do for you. The, the Haslam's that own them also own the Cleveland Browns, so we we know that they have no shortage of income. They are they are very wealthy owners, so it is nice to see them them putting some effort into the Columbus Crew team finally. Yeah, and they've built a crazy crazy good roster, which they're going to need because on top of the international games, which they're going to be have players getting poached from, they're also going to have Champions League games and. I predict that they're going to go very far based on the fact that their team is absolutely disgusting. Uh, so they're going to have a lot of games early on the season. And with a lot of games, will most likely come quite a few injuries, uh, which doesn't bode well for Columbus in the long run, uh, as Toronto FC in 2018. Uh, and squad depth in that case is very, very important, which I'm sure we'll get into LA Galaxy and what they did uh, because that was interesting uh, and the rumors surrounding them but uh, in terms of Columbus it's it's a scary scary team and I'm frankly impressed by how much they're able to do uh, in terms of bringing in players but Josh do you have anything you want to add in terms of the crew and what you think they're going to do in terms of Champions League and how big you think this guy's um, this signing is going to be for Columbus? So I'm not really sure that Matan's going to make much of an impact this year with him being so young and like we've already said, crew of such an Don't say that. He's a year older than me. <laughs> hey, man, you called me old earlier, and so a 21-year-old <laughs> attacking midfielder is like a child in my eyes. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> I, I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have this season with how stacked their roster is. Although, like you said, between losing international players and probably injuries and with Champions League to start, he probably will see some time. Um, I'm going to pause for a second because the Hawks are... Okay, Hawks just got the ball with seven seconds left and they're only down two points, so that could get interesting. They're going to miss a layup or something crazy <laughs> like that. I'm, I'm going to call it right now. Trey Young three-pointer for the win. Let me dream. Let me dream, okay? If that happens, um, you have to freak out on the podcast. Oh, I, I for sure will. You Even if Connor's will. talking midway through. <laughs> I will gladly interrupt and him. And I will mute your audio <laughs> because I have the power to do that. 
But anyway, I, I did want to echo um, Connor's sentiment about this team and going deep in CCL. I mean, they just continue to add depth on top of depth on top of depth. And so that's going to help them really early in the season and with CCL coming up pretty fast. So I think the crew are definitely going to be a team to watch for in CCL and could definitely go deep into the tournament. But moving on to some other transfer news. Atlanta United did make a signing this week, although it was very peculiar. They announced the signing of left-back Andrew Gutmann from Celtic. So Gutmann was with Cincinnati last year, and I think the year before that. Um, He came through, I think, Indiana University, recently was drafted out of the Super Drafts. But Gutmann was in MLS with Cincinnati, and then Cincinnati traded his rights to Atlanta, which I think we mentioned on a podcast a while ago. But Gutmann was not signed with the team, and he was still on loan from Celtic, so it was really weird. But Atlanta oh. permanently acquired Gutmann. I guess you're ahead. I guess Connor's ahead of us. I'm going I'm to take a second to watch this Trey Young three-pointer go in for the win. It's not Trey Young. It's... Oh, my gosh. Tony Snell. Uh-huh. Tony Snell just hit the buzzer beater. <laughs> Game-winning three-pointer, baby. Go Hawks. I got Hawks, Go Hawks fever. I cannot believe that just happened. That is freaking amazing. The Hawks are absolutely terrible, and they should have won this game to begin with. And look at those sad Toronto Raptors players. Wow. Tony they Snell. They are devastated. They should be devastated. Look at look at the Hawks right now. Oh, my gosh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry. I'm going to cry. This is awesome. Anyway... <laughs> I just want to say the stars have aligned perfectly tonight for the Raptors and Hawks to be playing and for this buzzer beating win to happen in the middle of the podcast is just glorious on so many levels. But but back to Andrew Gumon. Uh Atlanta did actually sign him permanently from Celtic and it was for a three year deal, which is interesting. And Drew, I want to get your thoughts on that in a second. But Atlanta then immediately loaned him to the New York Red Bulls for 2021. We will touch on the Red Bulls in a second. Before we get there, though, Drew, what do you make of this left-back signing for Gutmann? And for those listening, keep in mind that Atlanta already has Mikey Ambrose and George Bell on the roster at left-back. So. I, man. So the Atlanta took him first overall in the re-entry draft, I think, yes. No, I think they had to trade didn't Did they, they trade, trade to, to get the number one Cincinnati? overall pick? They yes, the and then they overall pick. They traded seventy five thousand, uh, I believe, for that pick, as well as maybe a draft pick. Um, how do I know this and you guys don't? Uh, no, I think you're right because <laughs> who cares about draft picks? Um, and I believe the loan cash amount that goes to Atlanta is fifty thousand, and I believe according to Carden, was it the athletic guy for the athletic? Felipe? Cardenas. Yeah, was it him? I think it was him. The purchase was free uh, from Celtic. It was a free transfer. So total seventy five thousand into him. They're getting fifty thousand off a loan immediately, which is frankly some good business in my opinion by the Atlanta United. And I don't know what this is going to mean for New York Red Bull, but uh, Drew, what did you think about the entire signing drama stuff involving Gutman? Yeah, I think the left-back position is Bellows on lock. I think he was probably the best player, I think, from last year's kind of 
terrible run Atlanta had. Everyone's really excited about him, young product, homegrown player for the United States and also just for MLS and Atlanta in general. So having Gutman there, I'm not sure the three-year thing is what gets is the biggest thing because I did not expect a three-year deal for this guy because every time I feel like when you're dealing with these type players that are you know, you get them in the re-entry draft and then they do this and they do that. It's like these players aren't going to really do anything. So to have a guy on a three-year deal after going through all that is wild. That he's actually might actually play for Atlanta and then obviously getting flown to New York, whatever. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for Mikey Ambrose. I know there were some transfer rumors surrounding George Bello a while ago. I think those kind of died out. I think he was linked with a club in Germany in the Bundesliga that was like one tweet everyone freaked out and that was it so I don't know how much of a truth there is to that but I I think maybe oh man I'm not sure what the Rebels left back situation is like if he'll get playing time or not but that would be nice to see him actually get minutes until he scores with Atlanta United inevitably but I think yeah, I mean, maybe he provides depth for Bello in the coming years. Maybe Bello does get that move to Europe, uh, which would be nice to see another young American go to Europe. So I'm not too... I think the biggest thing is, like, is he going to replace Bello? Is Bello going anywhere? And I don't think the signing necessarily dictates that and says that he's going anywhere. But I'm excited that provides depth in that position. Again, what the heck happens in Mikey Ambrose? We're not sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm not too concerned about it again he's on loan so it's not a whole lot that means anything for Atlanta right now and I guess we'll have more clarification on what this move means if he does come back to Atlanta and Bello and Mikey Ambrose are still in the picture in Atlanta yeah I think this is a really interesting move it's a very seemingly long-term move for Atlanta United right I think that George Bello could leave at any point but I assume the front office wants to keep him at least for a year, especially under Heinze, who has a very good reputation with young players. And so I think it makes sense to keep him at least for a year. You let Gutmann go on loan to Red Bulls and bring him back, and then maybe he's a starter going forward because Gutmann is American, so he's not going to take up an international roster slot. He's already got experience in MLS. He's still relatively young. I think he's only 24 years old. So this just sort of seems like a long-term sort of planning move on the part of Atlanta United. And, you know, like Drew said with Mikey Ambrose, he's really just like a depth veteran piece. I would assume he's only on a one-year deal with them for this year. I don't know for sure now off the top of my head. But speaking of Red Bulls, like I said, they have signed Gutmann on loan from Atlanta United for a year. Before it gets to that point, just want to mention that he is not allowed to play against Atlanta United. That is part of MLS interleague loan rules. I saw someone share part of the rules handbook. It's not the same thing as the Kai Kamara nonsense because that was a trade. And so technically that was kind of weird. But because this is a loan, he's not allowed to play against us, which thank God. Because if he was playing against us, he would totally score on us, along with whichever no-name 16-year-old Red Bull Academy product is playing us on that day. But Red Bulls also announced the signing of U-20 American striker Cameron Harper, also from Celtic. That's the kid that's going to score on Atlanta United anyway. (laughs) 
<laughs> there you go. It's going to be Cameron Harper. It's going to be Caden Clark. It's going to be Keenan Hot, which is a real Red Bulls player, by the way. Um, fantastic name. Keenan Hot. What a great name. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on Red Bulls' two moves, getting this 19-year-old striker, getting Kukman on loan from LA United? What do you think about... What do you what do you think these moves say about rebels? Do they stand out to you in any way? What, what what do you think? Do we know what kind of signing Cameron Harper is going to be? It is a three year deal. They they acquired him from Celtic. It's not a loan or anything. And but I don't know if it's a U twenty two signing. Okay, that was my main question. Is he a DP U twenty two? If he's a U twenty two, could be a good sign that they're willing to use those spots. Would make sense given the fact that they're basically the farm team for RB Salzburg um, at this point. So we'll see. I think anytime you could bring in talent from a good team in Celtic, you do it. Uh, and getting an American, having him not count against an international slot, I think is going to be big. Uh, I I don't know much about either uh, Harper. Or Gutman a ton. Uh, I think it'll be an interesting fit for Gutman. You know, they've been looking for a replacement left back since uh, Kamar Lawrence left for the Eredivisie or Pro League? Uh, Belgium. Belgium Pro League. Anderlecht, okay. I believe. Yeah, so Anderlecht. Um, and Gutman, he'll do that for you. You know, he was starting on Cincinnati, although I think anybody could start on Cincinnati in that back line, for being quite honest. Uh, but. I think it's an interesting signing. They're adding depth, and I think that's big for this season when teams are going to be playing a lot of games and teams are going to have a lot of players taken for international matches. Uh, but do either of you have anything you want to add to the whole uh, Cameron Harper signing or anything along those lines? The only thing I want to add is that I'm trying to figure out stuff about this guy, and there's like 15 million Cameron Harpers out there. So I have no idea which one that I am looking at, but from the, according to Transfer Market, he is a right winger. Uh, he is 19 years old, and he has not done a whole lot. But again, he's young, he's American, doesn't take up an international spot. So I don't really know anything about this guy because I don't really think he's played a whole lot for... Celtic, he played at a club, Patadores SC, um, and then he went to Celtics U18, from the U18 to the reserves, and from the reserves to Red Bulls. So I have no idea anything about this kid, because I don't think there is a whole lot out there, unless I'm looking at the wrong Cameron Harper, because like I said, there's about 15 million of them, and especially a lot of them play football. And when I say football, I mean American football, like they have huddle accounts that are trying to be recruited by colleges, but it still says footballer on their bio. So I've watched like five high school football players and like, nope, that's not the Cameron Harper I'm looking for. Um, But yeah, not a whole lot to think about this guy because I'm not really sure there's a whole lot out there for us to find right now. I I do want to add, I'm actually really excited about Cameron Harper signing with Red Bulls because... I don't really know anything specific about him, but I've seen his name mentioned a few times in terms of this whole U-20 American setup sort of thing. I believe we were going to get a U-20 youth tournament this year, and he was probably going to factor in heavily with that team. So if he gets some some first-team minutes with Red Bulls, and if he does well, then I don't see why he won't start to factor into the national team, as if there aren't enough strikers going around right now, right? (laughs) But honestly, 
this is a kid with potential, like Drew was saying, you know, with all these teams that he has and hasn't really played for. It just sounds like he never really broke through with Celtic. So this might be a chance for him to finally get some first-team minutes and show what he's made of. So I'm actually super intrigued by it. As much as I don't like the New York Red Bulls, it would be cool to see it pan out for Cameron Harper. He's totally going to score on Atlanta United now, by the way, but whatever. Um, Inter-Miami also made another signing this week. We talked about them last week, signing Ryan Shawcross and Gregor. But they signed left-back Jovan Jones, who is a free agent who played in Seattle for the last four years. Pretty common name around the league, I would say. And I believe Inter-Miami only has one left back on the roster before signing Jones. They lost Ben Sweat. Um, they lost someone else. Oh, Mikey Ambrose. Duh. Um, I've seen Alex Windley, writer for MLS Multiplex, as we seem to mention her very often. Always doing a great job covering Inter-Miami. But I've seen her talk about how thin they've been at left back this offseason so seems like Jovan Jones who's a proven starter in MLS fills that need do either of you have any thoughts on Jovan Jones and that signing um who is that current left back and is his name Breck Shea because unless I'm going crazy he plays left back so I have to leave I have to leave now I failed I have failed everyone that has ever and will ever work at MLS Multiplex, please don't let the slack know. Oh, we are but going to believe me. Believe me. I hope me they listen to the podcast. I hope they figure out themselves. <sighs> we might have to tell I'm them. I'm so disappointed in myself. <laughs> We're probably gonna have to tell I them. I am genuinely. <laughs> but that's my question. What the heck happens to Breck Shea? Because Jovan Jones is kind of mobile. He can go on the left. He, back. he can play in the mid. He didn't what play left to back Shea though. Now? This year, what Shea did Breck Shea play? He played more like of a left wing winger. for them last year. So he'll be a left winger. You guys think Jovan Jones will be that left back? Possibly. I mean, they do have Lewis Morgan, too, who I think plays left wing. And if not, there's also Pellegrini or Carranza. Like, there's, they've, they've got a lot of options, th- it seems like. A lot of versatility. I think Lewis Morgan lined up on the right last season, uh, which is why Breck Shea was lining up at the left. Maybe with their signings, that changes. But, yeah, I think adding Jovan Jones, who's got MLS Cup experience... Uh, believe me, I know that. Uh, he's a good left back. And he's a good full back. Either way, I think he can play both on the left and right. Uh, he's a national team player for a country that is playing Canada, and I can't remember who it is, in uh, World Cup qualifying. Um, no, he's isn't he from uh, Trinidad and Tobago? Yeah, he's from Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. Uh, I think Canada has them in their group for... World Cup qualifying, not Olympic. Um, gotcha. Which is why he factors into that because he's 25, I think. Something like that. So he's still relatively young. Uh, again, this is all off the top of my head and I might be completely wrong like Jonathan David in our last episode. But... He's 29. So 29. he's still relatively okay. young, but not quite that no. young. Um, he's older than I thought he was. I don't know who the young fullback is on Seattle then, but... I digress. Uh, I think it's a good signing for Inter Miami. Adds good depth, uh, solid MLS experience. He'll help solidify that back line. And I vaguely remember him being able to jump into the attack pretty well. So that should be a huge addition for them in terms of their ability to push forward and really press. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see Miami. They've they've really retooled the team, I think. And like we said last week, it's definitely going to be fun to watch them. Whether or not you think they're going to be good or awful or somewhere in between, 
I think they're going to entertain us no matter what. Also, have you guys seen the clip of David Beckham training with them? Yes. Yes. I don't know how I would feel if my world-famous part owner slash GM was training with us. I don't know if I'd be terrified the entire time or if I would think it was really awesome. But either way, super interesting and really unique because we do not have that anywhere else in MLS at this moment. Maybe it becomes a thing down the road. But speaking of Beckham and his former team in MLS, the LA Galaxy, a little bit of news for them. They just signed Samuel Granser. That's how I'm going to pronounce his name, even though it's probably... Not how you pronounce it, since he's French. But they have signed him on a TAM deal from Monaco. He is a winger, a former youth international in France. Uh, Seems like probably a depth signing. I don't really know if he'll end up starting for them. But it's also maybe a Christian Pavone replacement, which we will also talk about him in a second. But before we get to Pavone, any thoughts from either of you on Mr. Granser? He reminds me of a Nicolas Benazé signing with Toronto FC when he came over. Uh, I don't know how he plays. I don't know anything about him. But he's from Liga, and he's coming to MLS on a TAM deal. Um, so I think it's a good signing. Again, adding depth is always big. You know Greg Vanny likes the Liga, considering he's brought in... Well, he likes France because he's brought in Chris Mavinga. He brought in Benazé, as I mentioned. And now he's brought in Samuel Grandsir. I assume is how you say it, maybe. Uh, That's probably it. Potentially. My French is terrible, and my French accent is even worse. Uh, but I assume it's something like that. Either way, getting a former French youth international is big because they're talented either way, and you don't really lose that talent from where you started. And adding that wing... I don't know if it's experience, but wing depth... We've said depth a lot in this episode, uh, but it's it's going to be so important this season. Uh, so, I don't know. I like the signing. It seems low risk, high, potentially high reward. Drew, what do you think about uh, the signing of Samuel Grandsir? Yeah, not a whole lot that you just didn't say. Um, exciting. Again, really didn't know much about this guy before he come, came into MLS, but sometimes it feels like those leagues are the those players are the one that tear it up. So I'm excited about this. Um, I don't know if we mentioned this, but he is on a three-year contract with an additional one-year option. Uh, he's played in the Champions League. I don't know his exact stats while he was in France. I think he played for the U21 French national team. So this guy is showing that he has talent. Um, yeah, not a whole lot to say about that. Uh, excited to see what he can do. Not a whole lot to add on. Um, excited to see him spending money and caring and trying to get good. So not really a whole lot, but he's provi- he's played Champions League. He's represented France, and we know France is good. So excited about it. Not a whole lot to add on there. And what we don't have in there, which I think we should mention one other potential transfer that we didn't mention uh, from LA Galaxy is Victor Vasquez is being heavily linked to LA Galaxy uh, as a free agent signing because he's currently a free agent. Now, I don't know whether or not Victor Vasquez is a good signing at this point considering his knees were giving out in him two years ago in Toronto. Uh, But, you know, Greg Vanny loves his vets and Vasquez was a good presence in the locker room of I think uh, it was a good presence in the field. He can pass a ball. Uh, that is very, very apparent. Uh, so could be an interesting signing for LA Galaxy. And before we get into the Bavon thing, I did want to mention one thing, which came out three hours ago from a random no-name Spanish account involving 
Bora, Bore, whatever. Uh, apparently, River Platte has chosen their replacement for him in Carlos Baca. River Platte? Yeah. You just say River Platte. I think Plate. it's River Platte, isn't it? <laughs> no one says River Platte. I have never heard that before in my life. If anything, it's Plate. If you're going to pronounce it like pure Spanish okay. pronunciation, but plat, eh. Wow. River I'm, plate. All right. I'll go to river plate from now on because I don't speak Spanish. Uh, ba- Baca's really old, isn't he? He's like the, like, is that the Baca that I know yes, of? Yes, from like, Spain. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Well, hey, maybe that means Bore is on the move. This is from an account with 54,000 followers. Uh, so. Ooh, it's not shabby. It's not shabby at no. all. Uh, I guess might be some validity, maybe a little bit. Who knows? Uh, at this point, Spanish accounts are notoriously not exactly the most reliable. Uh, but Josh, tell us about Christian Beval and everything that's happening there and something that nobody is talking about for some reason. Yeah, we were talking about this in the Slack a little bit earlier this week, but and I, I almost meant to say something on the pod a couple weeks ago. Uh, but but to back up for a second, Christian Pavone signed a loan deal with LA Galaxy from Boca Juniors, and there was an option to purchase, but the option to buy was like $20 million, and LA Galaxy was not going to pay that for him. Boca was like, you can't have him then, we're going to take him back. Pavone was like, I don't want to go back, I don't want to play for Boca, I want to stay in LA. And for a while there, it seemed like they were going to buy him for 10 million get 50 percent of his rights from boca and we we did talk about that on a on a previous pod now at the time as there was all this reporting going on about pavone signing with galaxy again there was also some reporting that pavone had been accused of rape and was being investigated by the police down in argentina that was it for a little bit and then Nothing happened, but then earlier this week, he was arrested. And I don't know if he was charged, but he was arrested for rape. So it doesn't look like Pavone is coming back to the Galaxy anytime soon. I do wonder if Granser was maybe a contingency plan. He has been charged. Okay, so Pavone has been charged with rape, so I don't think we'll see him in MLS anytime soon. There's no way they're going to let him leave the country and so it looks like the Galaxy will have to move on from him, which they should if Pavone is found guilty. Um, so I guess Granser was probably a contingency plan, but with the news of Pavone being charged and likely facing trial and, and all that nonsense, it uh, definitely ch- kind of changes the way people might view the Granser signing. So like Connor was saying, this is another French winger. We'll see how that turns out for them. Galaxy haven't had the best track record of signings, although... Playing for Greg Vanny does change things a little bit. But moving on, um, speaking of French, our favorite club, French-speaking club in MLS. The Foot. The (laughs) Foot did finally announce their new manager. We talked about this last week. We came up with Patrice Bernier as our replacement, which we were not that far off, I feel like, because Montreal did promote from within and... They hired a black coach to be their next manager, which is very exciting. Like we mentioned last week, with Henri stepping down out of that role, that left just one coach of color in MLS with Robin Frazier. So it's nice to have another, um, another black coach on the sideline, on the touchline. So 
Montreal announced assistant Wilfred Nancy as manager, and he was assistant under Thierry Henry. I don't know much about Nancy. I don't think any of us really know much uh, about Wilfred Nancy, but real quick, Drew, just give me your initial thought on this deal and, and maybe what you were sort of thinking about this. Yeah, I think when we talked about it, the potential of Thierry Henry's replacement, we did want a black coach. I mean, that is awesome. Again, two still not nearly enough, but awesome that Montreal is helping that grow. So that's really good to see. Um, and yeah, I mean, they stuck with the assistant. This guy knows the roster. I think I read a story on MLS earlier today, and I think it said somewhere that he helped coach youth teams under Henri. Um and one of the biggest things that they were talking about that he loved about this team is that it was a young team. So he's he knows the city, he knows the roster, he knows how these guys play, he's coached them for a while. So I, I really like it. I hope he does well. Um, it stinks that Henri is gone. We all wanted to see him do well in MLS. And yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, he knows the roster, he knows the team, he coached these guys for a long time. And hopefully, I, I wish him the best. Um, you know, Montreal's in such a weird situation right now. Again, he's still going to be away from his family, I assume. I'm not sure how that's going to work with him being away. So that's obviously a problem that Canadian teams have to face and wish him the best as he does that. So I'm excited about it. Um, don't really know a whole lot about this guy, but he's worked in the club before. I think the guys know him pretty well. And as much of a hiccup as getting a new manager is going to be, I think when possible, lowering that hiccup with someone that the players already know is very good and is preferred. So I think I'm excited about it. I really am. Uh, He knows the players and I'm excited to see what he does with the foot. It's an interesting signing. Uh, I don't know much about him, obviously, Uh, but I think it's good that it is a person of color. And I think from the sounds of it, he's worked his way up. He's worked uh, hard to get to where he is. So hopefully he works out for Montreal. Uh, They have a pretty decent roster, honestly. Um, But they do need somebody to sort of bring everything together and really try to push them to the next level. Uh, But I... It's an interesting signing and just an interesting hire for Montreal. Uh, Josh, do you have anything you want to add to Montreal's new head coach? All I'll say about Montreal is for once, I just want to see something work out for them. I feel like, uh, they, like I, I might have said this a couple of weeks ago on the pod, but ever since I've been following MLS, Montreal haven't really done anything. I mean, they've made the playoffs a couple of times, but they always get bounced in the first round. It seemed like they were good before I started paying attention to the league, so it would be cool to see them back at it again. But to go to their neighbors to the east? West. West. Ah, no way. I did not know Montreal was east of Toronto. (laughs) All right, so to travel down the 401? Yes. Well, that's not hard because it's called the 401 (laughs) Derby. Yeah, yeah. I was just just using my... my I was just inferring there from that. Can you tell uh, me what River Montreal is on? So, uh, speaking (laughs) of 401... (laughs) No. Hey, could you talk... I mean... What's the biggest river in Georgia, Connor? You probably okay, couldn't Everybody say. should know this river that's connected to Montreal, and I have no idea in Georgia. Uh, I don't it, even know what the Georgia one is. Chattahoochee, oh, man. Oh, I've heard of that. Uh, it's heard, just an have you heard the name. Alan Jackson song, Chattahoochee? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's the river, Connor? I the St. Lawrence the River. 
I have never, never heard, heard of that before in my life. What? <laughs> now, have you ever heard Chattahoochee and the song Chattahoochee by Alan Jackson? Is there a song about the river on Montreal? No, but it's the reason you're sti- currently sitting here. Because that's how they got inland. Oh, oh, okay. Right, right, right. History. Stuff I learned in elementary school like 15 years yes, ago. Yes, you're okay, American anyway, Central. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will, not, I will admit, really poor education. <laughs> but um, anyway. So, I love sidetracking us. It's so much fun. <laughs> Mon- Montreal's 401 Derby counterparts, Toronto, right? Sorry. Derby. 401 Derby counterparts. All right, whatever, man. Either, either, either pronunciation goes. Toronto, it was announced today, will get the last CONCACAF Champions League spot. Uh, as you know, for weeks, listeners, I have been banging that Forge drum. Just so excited that Forge was going to beat Toronto in the Canadian Championship. And they may still beat them in the Canadian Championship. However, it will not be for this CCL spot, which has been awarded to Toronto I think this is probably the right move considering Toronto will be more prepared to be in CCL. Forge hasn't even been able to train. That being said, Toronto will have to face Lyon, which <laughs> sucks for them. I think they're the only MLS team that has to face a Liga MX team in the first round. Yeah. Um, so disappointing that the championship is getting postponed. But Connor, as the only one of the three of us living in Toronto, and obviously Toronto being your team, what do you what do you what do you make of this news that they're getting the last CCL spot? How do you feel Completely about it? Completely deserved. They did everything to win this spot. Hey, um, as as Atlanta United fans who also were completely <laughs> deserving of that Open Cup spot in the CCL, we completely agree with you. This is this is the the arms the arm yep. meme. Where it's like. Yep. Undeserving of CCL, undeserving of CCL, Toronto and Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, so they're totally deserving of this. Although they would have won either way, and I don't think not true. Yes, they would have, and I don't think there would have been that huge of a boost to Toronto because they have they probably won't be able to train for the next two weeks because there is a COVID outbreak in that uh, delegation. I believe they called it. Uh, whether that be coaches or players, we have no idea. Uh, but the big issue with uh, this match getting postponed was Canada soccer couldn't get the right permissions from the Ontario government to hold the game because we take COVID seriously. Uh, even though we've been playing hockey since January. So explain to me that one, but basically they just couldn't play the game and uh, forge couldn't get the right stuff to actually train Um it was just a whole mess, and this is probably the best outcome, although it's really tough on Forge because they're really getting screwed uh, out of a Champions League spot, and I feel for them. But I think Toronto, having not signed anybody, squad depth is going to be an issue. Um, that's probably putting it mildly, considering we have one left back, uh, period. But who knows? Maybe we pull something out. Uh, I think it's very unlikely, and I have a, find it very unlikely that Toronto take this seriously, and instead they will probably focus on the MLS season. But obviously neither of you have any sort of eggs in this basket or give any sort of crap in terms of who won this game. Uh, and Josh, don't, I, I care. don't even, don't. I am no. so sad that my precious Forge FC don't get the chance to embarrass Can Toronto. you name a single player Are on that team? Are you kidding me? 
So, uh, <laughs> moving on. Exactly. Some, I couldn't even do some that. Other, so. <laughs> some other big MLS news this week. The MLS homeowners. Home openers. Homeowners. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Which, by the, the way, MLS.com. MLS.com is a real estate listing website, which is why it's MLSsoccer.com, yeah. Major League Soccer Soccer. So, little, I wasn't that far off, but the home openers were announced this week. And so we're going to go through with our picks for which home opener to watch, maybe which one is most interesting to us. Um, I will go ahead and start, especially, I assume Drew still has to figure his out. But, <laughs> my... We're so prepared the, the here, you know that? We're very, very yeah. professional. Yeah. I, I, I'd I, like to think that he's got it picked. He just hasn't written it down in our Google Doc. Yes, he's giving the thumbs up. We, we know what's up. Um, but anyway, so my pick for home opener to watch is the LAFC Austin home opener, and that is LA's. Uh, they'll be the ones hosting that game. And I picked this game for a couple reasons. One, they the league... Made Inter Miami do this too. They they made them go out to LA and play LAFC for the first game of the season. We all know how that went when Carlos Vela chipped the heck out of Luis Robles, and everyone lost their minds because Carlos Vela is freaking amazing. So I, I don't know if he'll do the same thing to Austin, probably because he's Carlos Vela. But I am more so just interested in seeing Austin on the pitch. They, in my mind, have created a strong MLS roster. I don't know that they're going to be as exciting of an expansion team as maybe in L.A. or in Atlanta United, but I certainly think they'll be able to compete week in and week out, much like we saw with Nashville last year. Their system, however, I think will be a little more entertaining than Nashville, which is why I'm definitely intrigued to see how they play, and especially against an LAFC team that is going to be really good again this year, especially if they can stay healthy. Injuries really dinged them last year, so... I am really, really curious about how that game is going to go. Connor, who do you have for your pick for home opener? I'm really going out on a limb here. Um, it's Nobody's going to see it coming. Don't make me say it's it. It's a truly, truly sock, shocking, shocking selection. Does it even count as a home opener? I think that's the question. It's a neutral opener. That's why opener. I picked it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It doesn't. I don't know. Might have to pick another one, Connor. Uh, I picked TFC versus Montreal, which is technically Montreal's home opener because it's at Inter-Miami Stadium and <laughs> Toronto are playing at Orlando Stadium, um, which, fun stuff. Uh, so, yes, I picked that game because it's going to be... I'm very interested to see how Wilfried Nancy does uh, in his first match. I'm interested to see, of course, Armas does. I'm interested to see how long it takes for Josie Altador to break something. Uh, before he is subbed off in a pressing system. Uh, I'm interested to see whether or not Io Akinola plays because he's currently injured. Uh, I'm interested to see a lot of things in this match, and I'm interested to see how these clubs adapt to playing in a stadium that isn't theirs, where they're unfamiliar. Um, but there are so many interesting different avenues you can look at this match and ways it can affect each team. So... We will see how that goes, but Drew, do you have your match picked? I do, kind of. I have a match that I will talk about, but I there are two that are kind of on my mind right now. 
And because you went with your home club, Toronto, I will avoid my home club, although I am really excited to see that Atlanta-Orlando match. <laughs> Same. That was probably Same. my number two. But my number one, I think, is going to be the first match, I think, that really everybody watches, uh, Seattle and Minnesota United, a rematch of that Western Conference final where Minnesota blew, was it a 2-0 lead they blew? Something crazy like that. So a rematch that Western Conference final, I'm excited about it. Mainly because I want to see how Seattle is without Jordan Morris. Uh, they're, they're still favorites. They're still going to be one of the best teams in the league. But will they be the same team without Jordan Morris? I don't know. Minnesota United, I think, I thought last year was kind of their shot. They really haven't done anything in the offseason to make me think that they can break through that wall of getting past the Western Conference Final and winning MLS Cup, although they were really freaking close last year. But... It's hard for me to imagine them doing that again. Um, so I'm going with Seattle, Minnesota. It's the first nationally televised primetime game of the season. It's a Lumen Field, which I don't think that's where... Is that where Minnesota plays? It's No, it's uh, Seattle's It's CenturyLink Field. It's just been renamed. It got renamed in the middle of the season last year, actually. Cool. I did not know that, so good to know. So they'll be in Seattle. Um yeah, I'm excited about that. Although the Atlanta-Orlando matchup was is a solid number two for me. I'm excited to see Atlanta and Orlando, all that stuff. But a lot of really exciting home openers. But my home opener to watch is going to be Seattle-Minnesota, Friday night, 9.30 on opening day of MLS. Because everyone's going to get mad at me for picking a Toronto FC match, I'm going to pick a different match. Although it's not for another three months. Uh, and that is Austin FC versus San Jose Earthquake. Uh, Austin's opener. Austin's opener. And I want to know, basically, how many fans will they have at the, at the game? Because the Texas Rangers home opener is going to be a sellout. How is so... Houston doing? Houston is only going to do 30% capacity, I believe. Them or Dallas. I can't remember which team. They're being somewhat responsible about it. So, shouts out to the MLS teams being... Okay, because Texas has lifted their mask mandate, which is terrifying, but whatever. That's interesting because I don't know Texas geography well. I just know that Arlington, where the Rangers play, and Dallas is super close to one another. That's interesting. Well, except Dallas's stadium is actually in Frisco, which is not in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, which, yeah, that's where Arlington is as well. So I don't know if... Well, never mind. Now that the mask mandate has been lifted... I'm assuming all of Texas is the wild, wild west. <laughs> like, like I, I love like think if you think of the typical stereotypical American, if you were gonna ask like a someone from outside the U.S., like they would probably picture a Texan, and so for them to be this reckless is like pretty on brand. So I, 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 I can't respect it, but I'm not surprised. I guess is what I'll say. So another reason I pick that. Another reason I pick that is because by then, your entire country is going to be vaccinated, uh, probably. So there's a oh, very real possibility that. that that could be a full-on sellout. And I think that could be incredible, that atmosphere, uh, with all of the Austin fans, and that would be nuts. Last thing I'll say, bold of you to assume that everyone will get vaccinated. Just because it's available to everybody doesn't mean everybody in the U.S. will want to. That is Just that's true. Just that it's true, there. but everybody who wants to will, and everybody who doesn't will die. So, you know, 
Pick your poison uh, is basically the way I'll put it and get a vaccine, which my grandparents did last night or yesterday. So good thing there. Uh, now I have one more grandparent to get it vaccinated. But do any of you have anything you want to add to our fun conversation? I don't think nope. so. I think we're wrapping it up. All right. Drew, take us out. Yeah, guys, thanks so much for listening. As always, we really appreciate it. And as always, please visit MLSMultiplex.com as our writers are cranking out really awesome stories. You can check out stories from us three as well as from our other awesome team of writers. So please visit the website MLSMultiplex.com and visit the website on Twitter at MLSMultiplex to find stories as they are tweeted out. And you can find us on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Connor at CWG Somerville, and Josh at Josh underscore Bolin. So please feel free to leave us a follow on Twitter and check out articles as they get posted on social media. And thank you guys so much for listening as always. And please leave reviews on the podcast. We love hearing ways we can get better. We love hearing from you guys. So thanks, guys, again, so much for listening, and please leave some feedback, and we will talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. How to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.